Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. For those who are listening to us for the first time, our show is about searching for the meanings behind mysterious expressions we use every day and often don't think twice about. Each week we dive into the study of a metaphor, whether it's a common expression, a curious proverb or a mysterious old saying. We're particularly excited this week as we'll be talking about love. Yes, it's Valentine's Day and frankly, we couldn't ignore it. I bet you couldn't escape it either. It gives me an opportunity to say thank you to the people I love and the people who love me. Because in this industry, you tend to always think about your guests and your audience and you don't always say thank you to the people around you until it's time for your show to end or something happens. So I want to say a happy Valentine's Day to my husband, Olivier Bottois, who has just been wonderful and been my best friend over the years and I couldn't do anything without him. And I want to say happy Valentine's Day to me. It's taken me a lot of time to appreciate my worth and my value and also to actually accept gifts. When people used to give me gifts, I'd be like, oh, why? What's the reason? But now I accept them for what they are and I'm very thankful and grateful. And did you know in the Caribbean that Valentine's Day is not only for your partner, it's actually celebrated with people you love. So it could be your parents, your grandparents, or just a good friend, a a boss, anyone who has been good to you and you want to show them appreciation, you can give them a Valentine's Day card and it won't mean anything but that. But then you have to be very, very careful because, of course, there are always jealous partners who might read something different into it. We know you're curious to know which metaphor we've chosen for Valentine's Day, so stay tuned with us. Here it comes. As Milan Kundera wrote in The Unbearable Lightness of Being, love begins with a metaphor, and so should we. Ours this week is head over heels, as in the phrase falling head over heels in love. You may have never said it, perhaps not even heard it, but you probably have felt it once or twice. As it is a day to celebrate romance, we want you to all feel it. Whether you've been with your partner for many years or at the early stages of a relationship, or even if you're single and happy, allow yourself to feel the staggering power of love. Romance is not the only kind of love that deserves celebration today. Don't forget your friends, your families, your dear co-workers. Honour or love, as long as they make your head spin and your heart race and your heels end up where your head would be. So exactly what's the theory and what's the story behind this expression? Why is it phrased like that? And more importantly, what does it have to do with love? Let's have some fun deciphering it together. The best love is the kind that awakens the soul that makes us reach for more, that plants a fire in our hearts and brings peace to our minds. And that's what you've given me. That's what I hope to give to you forever. Starting with one of Noah's most beautiful love letters in the notebook seems like a good idea to set up the tone of today's episode. As he says, love accesses our minds and our bodies. It knows no physical boundaries. When our heart is broken, when we have butterflies in our stomach, when we are swept off our feet, it's all metaphorical, yet it feels accurate. Better yet, it feels right. 
That's why we give our love, why we are consumed with it, why we look for a better half and starve for it. That's why we fall in love, even when it doesn't make sense. But today love is not simply a fall, it's a backflip, half twist, with a perfect landing on heels. That's right. According to logic, we would assume the metaphor is simply phrased the wrong way. Heads on top, heels on the ground. That's our Monday to Friday. So it must be that what the expression means is that love's power is so undeniable that one would fall heels overhead for someone, feel completely shaken upside down. As French philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal famously wrote, the heart has its reasons, which reason does not know. It seems to be a statement Anthony Hopkins' character in Meet Joe Black agrees with when he delivers this timeless speech about love to his daughter. I know it's a cornball thing, but love is passion, obsession, someone you can't live without. I say, fall head over heels, find someone you can love like crazy and who'll love you the same way back. How do you find him? Well, you forget your head and you listen to your heart. I'm not hearing any heart. Because the truth is, honey, there's no sense living your life without this. To make the journey and not fall deeply in love. Well, you haven't lived a life at all. But you have to try. Because if you haven't tried, you haven't lived. You needed it. We all did. Now, focusing solely on the expression, head over heels, we can agree that William Parrish means it the same way we understand it, and not literally. Historically, it is said that the first mention of the expression dates back to the medieval ages in a print of the early English alliterative poems, which was phrased the other way round, heels overhead. And that's the way people fell in love. Which really doesn't make any sense, because your head is always over your heels, right? So I guess you could say that the phrase itself became so heels overhead and head over heel that it doesn't really know which way is up. Indeed, for a time, the expression was different than the way we know it now. Up until 1771, in Herbert Lawrence's poem called The Contemplative Man, we find it has changed. The exact verse is the following. He gave him such an involuntary kick in the face and drove him head over heels. This use of the phrase doesn't seem romantic at all. Quite the opposite. It relies on a strong image, a kick in the face. So perhaps for a time the expression wasn't about love, it was about pain. In fact, dissecting the metaphor properly, it is the kick that pushes the man's head so strongly that his head ends all the way back to his own heels, making him inevitably fall. Ouch! I guess that's the way of love, a painful fall. The expression flipped over its first meaning, stayed in this shape and reappeared again in literature. In David Crockett's writings of 1834, we find the expression used with regards to love. Explicitly, I soon found myself head over heels in love with this girl. Could it be that our metaphor indicates to us the potential pain of love? For example, Tears for Fears' single Head Over Heels sings about the feeling of losing balance because of love, of the way it hurts when one gives up control. 
the rock ballad is written as a segue of their previous song, Broken, and since then, the two songs are very often mashed up together, performed as one. Again, our expression, head over heels, is associated with a form of destruction, a breaking of the heart. Because we know love hurts sometimes, perhaps most of the time, because of its strength or its capacity to turn our heads upside down, making us feel nothing logical, we know it can hurt. It doesn't mean it's not worth it. It doesn't mean the hope of love is lost. All that breaks can be unbroken. Here's a song you probably know. Listen to the words really carefully. Oh my gosh, how painful it is. It's Tony Braxton and Unbreak My Heart. Break my heart. 
heart. Take good care of it and let's hope the worst thing that'll break today is someone's heel. But even then, the show must go on. Let's hear the story of that. Investigating with us the meaning and use of the metaphor head over heels is Rosalind Severing McLean, our special guest this week. We are excited to discuss this with her because of a series of books titled Oceans of Thoughts. Both of her works present expressive poems that discuss relatable themes along with shedding light on her own memories, history and culture. She gives quite a different take on head over heels. So, Rosalind, thank you so much for being here with us on Metaphorically Speaking. Tell us a little about yourself. Where are you based? Where are you from? What are you up to? Thank you so much for inviting me for this interview as well. I am from Dominica, West Indies. Grew up in Dominica all through childhood, and then I came to the United States. I'm in New York at the moment. Yeah, I live in New York right now. What do you do in New York? Actually, what I do, I when I first came here, I did modeling. I modeled for quite a few years. And, um, you know, and then I went into dance and I danced the cultural dance of Dominica for over almost 40 years in this country. And when I work for the city of New York, you know, I do have a full time job. I went to school 
and I didn't have a full-time job. And at the moment right now, I, I decided to do a little writing. And um, this is currently what I am, you know, I'm focused on doing at the, at the moment. You mentioned that you are an author. Tell us about your books. I have decided um, in my senior year to put through some of my work I've been doing all along for many years. I write poetry. I write prose. I do um, essay writing. My work is called Oceans of Thoughts. That's what I, I titled the book because I am looking at um, oceans as ocean waves of the universe, not only the sea, but the actual universe. In my book, I write um, life experiences. My life experiences are written through, through my work and uh, channeling this work through the poetry. I go into journeys, life journeys, like a life story. I, the, my work relates to the readers from the feedback that I get from most of, just about all of my audience. You know, my work relates to uh, actually penetrates the readers. They see themselves in my work, like a transformation. So I am thankful that for that um, area that my work has taken. Could you give yeah. us an example where, you know, where you say it resonates with your readers? Is there a, a story or, a, as you said, a poem? Is there a line that they say to you, oh, you know, when I read this sentence or this line, it brought back memories. Is there anything that you can think of? And now I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, yes, I could refer to uh, both books, but I can also refer to book one, where mm -hmm. I wrote about my sister and her transition. She passed, she passed on. And this particular um, series of poetry um, really touched just about everybody. If you would like me to go through to open the book and I could probably read a line or two from that. Please go ahead. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is um, Oceans of Thoughts book one. It's a bestseller on Amazon. Actually, they're both bestsellers and I really appreciate my audience, you know, um, supporting my work. Um, I will go into one of the poems I, I titled, um, it's Yvonne She Came. Her name is Yvonne and I titled it as Yvonne She Came. Um, I will just read a short part. Okay. I say, oh, yes, it's Yvonne she came. She knew that I would have called her whilst on this earthly spell. So in the midst of angelic purpose, she visited at my window. Mysteriously beautiful little dove with divine ability. You graced, gracely cooed, peering, purring bright eyes to let me know that you are still there. So this actual poet poem, I wrote it as um, just that's about the first or second um, year of her transition. And usually I called her for her birthday, Mother's Day. That year it was like an emptiness because I couldn't call her, but she called me. She came to me. And I know it was her because at the time, this is a time I would have called. And that's the time she came. And, uh, you know, so far, Every year at that time, I get a signal from her. Somehow, some bird comes pecking or fluttering. Something happens at a particular time. And this particular poem seemed to hit home for many, many readers who have lost some loved one and have realized, yes, you know, I heard this or, you know, I saw this. So it gave them a sense of, of belonging. It made me remember when my children's father passed. and. Certain things would happen that 
you just know he is there. But before his passing, when people used to say, I'm telling you, I feel they're there or they're in the room or somebody smiled and when they smiled, it smiled just like them. I would think, no, 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 no. You know, it's as if and until you experience it sometimes, you don't really believe it. So when you were reading that, that situation came to mind. And also I must say to you before I forget to say it in the interview, I was so pleased to see in preparation to talking to you, um, checking my emails and guess what I saw? Amazon sent me a, a book that they recommended that I read and it was your book. Oh, wow. So I thought, wow, if they're recommending this to me, then, you know, I'm hoping that my listeners can see there is something there. Pick up the book and read it. Yes. But, you know, we talk about writing. I mean, is writing a love of yours? Writing poetry, has it always been something that you love doing? Writing poetry is like a passion. It's like a freedom. I'm able to express myself without anyone approving before it goes out. It's like I am true to myself and true to my word. And the good thing about the way I write or the way the inspiration falls, because I can't do it alone. You know, it has to come from a, a higher source. It resonates with the reader. You know, it gives me great joy that when someone gives me a review or tells me, because I've had open mic and I have read a lot of my work there and the responses I got from this international audience who have attended this open mics, and they actually would feel my work penetrating through them. So it's very much a love story, uh, a love for poetry, uh, a love for putting down your thoughts. Yes. Uh, of life that resonates with other people and that's why it makes me it's very interesting to us when your metaphor you know head over heels it's very different because of course when we think of head over heels we just naturally think about being in love with someone but yeah. for you it means something different tell us how head over heels has played a part in your life um head over heels with my work with my actual work in poetry has made a big difference in my life. Um, a difference, as I mentioned, freedom of acceptance. At least my voice is being heard. I grew up as a child, not being able to express myself, you know, as a young Caribbean child, sometimes you, you're not heard. It's like you see the child and the child is quiet because a child, no matter what the child says, the child is not accepted. You don't feel accepted. But with my work in poetry, I've had book one and book two, which have hit bestseller. The acceptance and the freedom is what I feel. And knowing that it's relating to other people and knowing that people can, can learn from my work, actually trying to get it out to as many readers as possible, the schools, the teenagers, many, many readers. And it gives me that acceptance feeling. I think that's the love of, of my work is full acceptance. But you know, when someone's head over heels in the kind of traditional sense of the words, they have had to make sacrifices or things have happened so quickly that people around them think you're making a rash decision here. Think again, slow down. Have you ever felt that in terms of your poetry? Yes. And not just poetry, in your life. In my life. Yes. I have noticed while I was doing my work, it was like a pure sacrifice because I sacrificed a lot was happening around me to focus on these manuscripts of work. When I'm between sacrifice, the relationships around me, relationship with my, even my daughter, you know, became helter-skelter because I was focusing so much on this that I couldn't give her the attention that she really needed. I realized too, since I have written these two books, 
and I intend to write more. It's like I have sacrificed relationships or friends. They have sort of stayed away for whatever reasons I don't know. It's like a persecution. And I will say, okay, this is how it's going to be. I guess that's how it will be for now. Because my love of this work, which help others, is what I intend to do. And what, you know, this metaphor, head over heels, is actually the, the true factor of my work in poetry. I'm thinking, you know, at the end of the day, when we think of falling head over heels with something or someone, it seems as if most of the time it does not work out, you know, and then you reflect and you think, oh my gosh, everyone was telling me, oh, I saw the warning signs. I didn't do anything about it. But for you, the way that you've expressed things, it seems as if you have found your way in being head over heels. It has put you on the path that makes you so happy yes. that you have sacrificed the love and comfort of the people who are close to you. Yes. And in a way, it is true then when you fall head over heels that sometimes you ignore those people who are giving you the warning signs. So writing has been your love that your daughter and those close to you feel it is taking their place. That's the exact truth of the matter right now. As I remember um, many times when I would tell my friends and people, I'm going to write, I'm going to write this. I will write this, like I'm writing my life story, but I'm writing through poetry. And I would get some negativity, like who is going to read your work? Why you want to write this? Who's going to read? And I kept persisting. Yes, I'm going to write. I need to write. I have to write. You know, that's my passion. I have to do this. This is the time. And I've been writing for many years, but I never put it out. I would save my work. I would put some on, you know, on, on the cassette. Those are the days of the cassette recording. I remember those days. And so I'm putting it out now and I get a lot of backlash. Why you want to do this? And who's going to read your work? And why you think you're that important? You want to read your work? You want to... And I said, it's okay. That's what the Lord is doing right now. He's pushing me to do this. The inspiration is right at this point. The sacrifices have been, have been huge, actually. And it hurts, but, you know, we have just go along with the program. You know, I said, well, those who don't want to follow me on this journey, I guess they will follow me eventually on moving with the journey. Yeah. Yes. So how can our listeners view or read Oceans of Thoughts and your other books? Oceans of Thoughts, um, book one and book two, are available on Amazon. The Oceans of Thoughts book one has the bestseller stick, um, seal on it. I couldn't get it for Oceans of Thought book two, but they're both bestsellers that I'm very proud and happy for. The support of the of the people have helped me to reach this far. And it's a bestseller for women, women authors. Yes. Is there a particular reason why you have those colors? You've got like a lilac, purple, pink for your first book and the sea blue for the second. Visions. I had the vision of what color to put. In book one, I, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And the vision came, the colors came. With book two, I knew I was supposed to do something with music. And um, I had the vision to use green and blue, but I had no idea how. And I kept seeing the colors. So eventually I researched the color of music, pop music. And in my research for the color of pop music, I got cyan, cyan blue. And I had cyan blue with the green. And this is how this came about. I wish you all the best with your books and your upcoming new book of yes. poetry. Thank and you. uh, make sure that we 
keep in touch and let us know when it's available. Yes, I will. Thank you so much. I'm currently working on book three. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully that comes by the end of the year. But I thank you so much for your time, for this interview. I really appreciate it. I look forward to meeting you as well. Yes, I, I will be in New York uh, within uh, the next uh, few weeks. Yes. So yes. I will let you know. I'm not sure ex exactly sure where I'm going to be in New York. Yes. Let you know. Yes, a, a telephone call away. Maybe I can get a signed copy. Oh, yes, most definitely. Both of them. <laughs> thank yes. you. Yes. All right, Rosalind, well, thank you and all the best. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Rosalind, for casting light on this metaphor. It was incredibly powerful to see how you've interpreted it. Let's dive back into the sea of cultural references this metaphor opens us up to. Heels or head first is up to you. As we have examined the forms and roots of the metaphor, Let's now report on its existence in our modern society, in art as well as in our day-to-day -day lives. Head over heels is always associated with a fall, whether it describes the action of someone literally tumbling down the stairs or someone falling in love. It's a sudden loss of orientation. It's a slip. It's a leap of faith in one uncertain direction. Ready to go head over heels for big volume? It's the Pantene Volume Collection with its hair-raising Pantene Pro Vitamin Formula. Who knows, maybe you will fall for that conditioner someday. <laughs> it is safe to say that in times of hardship, love is a mighty ally and we should all turn to it as much as we can. As Tolstoy writes in War and Peace, we are asleep until we fall in love. To me, this statement symbolizes hope. It's a promise made against time, made with an undying certitude that love will happen one way or another. One cannot plan a fall, it just happens. You can be walking down the street one day, your feet on the ground, and the next falling down imaginary steps with your feelings using the same muscles of your bodies you didn't even know existed. Those of your head and, of course, your heart. And if that hasn't happened yet, don't worry. Love awaits you. And you don't have to be Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella to deserve it. And you sure as hell don't need to be a supermodel. Just like Monica Potter in the hilarious 2001 room-com Head Over Heels. He's a fashion executive. He probably only dates promiscuous women. No, models. If you think he wants a model, we will give him a model. Oh, and keep your cheeks clenched. Not those. These. You're not like most of the women I see at these parties. What are you doing Saturday? He's like Mr. Perfect. Who's that? It's another woman. Maybe they're just good friends. <laughs> Did someone scream? Oh my God, I think he killed her. Where's the body? You're calling him? Yeah, I want to make sure he didn't hurt himself while he was killing the blonde. That's so sweet. I'm calling the police. Look, no body, no crime. You really don't know what happened. I will investigate him. So what exactly are we looking for? Anything that may indicate he's a cold-blooded killer. Watch out, Suddenly, getting home by midnight... I mean, come on, he's way too cute to be a killer. ...is the least of your worries. You're gonna take me to New Jersey and whack me! When you're already... Amanda? Jim! ...head over heels. This comedy mixes up fairy tales and reality in one expression and brings us back to the several interpretations of the metaphor. 
Falling in love can be terrifying, but you live and learn. Such a feeling isn't meant to be ignored. It needs to be lived to its fullest. And if you have been hurt in the past, rest assured, you will rise again, stronger this time. But you don't need to hear it from me. Let's finish with Trillian Small's theory of how to overcome love, because maybe that's the Valentine's gift you really want. Surely the one you deserve. Yes, it's possible to be fearful of love, especially if you have never experienced true, authentic love. Why? Because things that are unfamiliar can be very frightening. Now, there are different types of love, right? You have, you have the relationship love, the romantic love, you have the friendship love. But I just want to talk today about that agape love. I mean, that unconditional love that when you connect with it, it gives you a sense of protection and security. I mean, that type of love that truly sets you free when you connect with it. So if our responses are based on the memories filed, that means the fear of love is a memory recall issue and it is a lack of knowledge. So here's an example, guy. Baby, I love you. Girl, <laughs> how do you know? How do you know? Right? We think, we, think that, we think that emotions are feelings. Sometimes they give us a little buttery butterfly feeling. But love truly is knowledge and intelligence. And so what I want to tell you all is that love didn't hurt. Love didn't abuse you. It didn't leave you. It was the person that you loved that did those things to you. And what happens though is we end up generalizing that experience and saying, that person hurt me, so I'm never doing this again. And what happens is we, we forsake the ability to be who we truly are, which is loving beings. Ultimately, I'd say that our Valentine special, Head Over Heels, inspires courage in the face of love. It encourages love beyond the pain. It speaks the truth by acknowledging a struggle. It simply fits the shoe we are, or we will, walk in. Its poetry is stimulating and keeps on being the source of inspiration for artists who give it the meaning they want. Thanks for listening to this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. We hope you had an enjoyable time with us. Don't forget... We'd love you to share the show with your friends or leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify, and all major streaming platforms. Additionally, if you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach us at info at metaphoricallyspeaking.uk. Join us for another metaphor next week. I'm Delia Delore. Keep safe. Goodbye. <laughs>